Hello, everyone. Welcome again to Trail Tales. This is Tom Funk, your host. And we will continue our hike across Michigan's Upper Peninsula. As it is now August 4th, 1998. And as you may recall, I've been hiking along on M28. And another day of me pounding the pavement with my friend Sean keeping an eye on me. So I'm starting at Buford Lake State Forest Campground, and I will end today at Van Riper State Park. Grand total of 10 miles on uh, the hike, with a trip total of 170, excuse me, 197.5 miles. I uh, dealt with some ants and some flies for the day. Uh, weather was 80 degrees and sunny, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, pavement for the trail surface. Did you know that trees talk? Well, they do. They talk to each other, and they'll talk to you if you listen. Trouble is, white people, they don't listen. They've never learned to listen to the Indians, so I don't suppose they'll listen to other voices in nature. But I have learned a lot from trees, sometimes about the weather, sometimes about animals, sometimes about the great spirit. And that is a quote from Walking Buffalo. Well, Sean, he's still an insomniac, and he rises very early every day, and today is no different. Thank goodness, because I want to get an early start on the day. I rotate out of bed, and all I can think about is the hot shower I'm going to take at my destination, Van Riper State Park. It is about 10 miles up the road where there will be a sea of humanity, and yeah, a hot shower. Not having taken a shower in about a week, I can imagine the pulsating hot water from the narrow state park shower head. Rubbing my feet with soap and water, I know that's going to feel really good. I quickly consume a breakfast consisting of grape nuts, and I hit the road at 9 a.m. sharp. Again, my day is going to be pretty tedious, mostly road walking, keeping watch as vehicle whizzed by me. This will prevent me from enjoying the greater part of the scenery. The road leading back to M28 is paved and goes mostly by small cottages. It's hilly, and I should expect these hills, well, technically they're worn-out mountains, uh, until the other side of Marquette. Approaching the Huron Mountains, they effectively lie north of Marquette. I can see some large hills on the horizon, and those must be it. When I crest hills as I walk, I can hear the roar of traffic through the trees, which attempt to shield me from this prevalent sign of humanity. Their efforts are appreciated, but eventually I'll have to walk this path carved out for humanity to bring me back to Mother Nature at the other side. I look at it as paying my dues. A railroad, the Sioux Line, is visible running parallel to M28. Sending a hill towards a swamp delimited by a stream, it also parallels the highway. Looking into the depths of the swamp is looking into the past. Some events took place here as the vast majority of the trees, mostly cedars, are dead. There's not a drop of water to be seen either. A blackened floor, dead trees and stumps, and silence. Silence. Only automobiles penetrate this eeriness. I wonder what happened here. Fire? Pollution? A low water table? I guess I'll never know. The swamp surrounds me, gasping its last breath. Might as well build a condo here. Then I come to Spur Creek. 
A bridge cascades me forward across what should be the life vein of the swamp. It, too, is low on water, barely a trickle, and I would not drink from it if I had a choice. Walking on, the silent swamp gives way to noisy automobiles. Vroom, Cadillac. Vroom, Ford. Vroom, Mack truck. Pick a vehicle, pick a sound, I hear them all. I stop at a mobile station. Ha! Humanity. Humans! Orange juice. Mountain Dew. And as always, I look for a phone, and I find one, and I call my friend Don. Next is to put my pack down, and luckily there is a picnic table. Thump! Approaching the counter inside the store, I purchase four postcards, a bottle of Gatorade, and two colas. Discovering when I start my day with a Coke, I keep one for later, and it really, really makes the fluids flow, if you know what I mean. I supplement my Coke with water, and my water consumption has actually dropped down about to a gallon a day. Constantly stopping on the side of the road well to go to the bathroom is the result of fluids running through my body. Of course, I go into the bushes to do my business. I come back out and go back into the store. You want a bike? Asked the clerk. Sweaty, wearing tons of nylon, and I have a fanny pack. I can see why he would ask. Nope, hiking. Want a bag? As I buy an orange juice that I forgot to buy earlier. Obviously, she was not interested in my adventure. So what? Her loss. I continue to walk. Approaching the burb of Imperial Heights on the map, it is a small hamlet on the Lake Michigami. It borders a small place uh, named Michigami on what else? Lake Michigami. Which really isn't a lake, it's a reservoir. Rumor has it uh, that the only inland body of the water in the UP where jet skis are allowed um, and are not shot at for target practice. The locals up here really frown on these gas-guzzling machines on the vast majority of water bodies. Sean's maroon Honda pulls off the side of the road and starts coming towards me. How did he get ahead of me? Must have been taking a bathroom break or in the mobile station. He rolled out his, he rolled out his window. I'm going to get a rustic site. Okay, I say, but I need a shower. Ah, we can sneak in, he says. I've never been to Van Riper before, but according to Sean, he would blend right in with myself as there are many humans there. Back to the adventure. Walking east on the dreadful M28. Cutlass Sierra, Volvo truck, Ford Escort. A green sign, a small one, greets me. Now entering Marquette County. Marquette County makes Rhode Islands. 1,212 square miles, a measly comparison to our largest county in Michigan, a whopping 1,811 square miles. You can also compare that to Calhoun's 708 square miles. It's twice its size. However, Calhoun is home to 135,000 people, while Marquette is home to 70,000. Twice the size, but half the people. And of course, Marquette is named after Father Jacques Marquette, a Jesuit missionary, who came to this land back in the 1600s. A sign advertising Imperial Heights greets my existence, but this burg is not on the highway like I thought. Michigami is advertised and is home to a couple of motels and a bar. Michigami means Great Lake, 
and it was settled here in 1872 by Jacob Houghton when he discovered iron ore at this location. The mine only lasted in 1905 and is now only a resort town. A roadside park beckons my presence. It is on top of the biggest hill in the area and is lined on both sides by asphalt ditches to channel away rainwater from the hard bedrock. On my side of the road are steep embankments going up, 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 up. And I can see a sign up above my head that says, Property of Cleveland Mine Company. Danger, unstable ground. Ground subsidence, do not enter. Sign is on a rickety old fence complete with holes and down trees that breach its protectiveness against any of the truly stupid that would try to uh, cross its boundary. I make it to the top of the hill and I scan the waters below. It's rather windy up here on the mountain, but beautiful. I can see across the lake, but not much farther. A little humid today, and the fog, which was prevalent this morning, hasn't quite completely lifted. I start again, walking, shunning traffic, only to descend to the other side of the mountain, where the road becomes five lanes. Humanity ahead. Or is this a passing lane? I feel safer here because the oncoming cars can veer into another lane without fear of a head-on. And cars coming the other way are three lanes away as they pass other cars. I feel a little cocky, so I walk on the paved apron. Cars are moving over. I thank them with a the tip of my hat. Many honk or wave as they pass by. Then the sound of plastic on metal pierces the groaning of the motorized traffic. Hey, how's it going? Asks a male bike rider, scaring the crap out of me. About 25 years old, chubby, wearing a helmet and riding into traffic. Good. Where are you headed? Toronto. I started in Winnipeg. I'm going to visit my girlfriend. <laughs> Talk about being whipped. Hey, my name is Tom. Roger. And we shake hands. He's wearing bike gloves. Where are you headed? I saw you about two miles back on top of that hill. I didn't know what you were wearing because it was so bright, referring to the reflective vest Vern gave me. Yeah, this was given to me by some guy back near Covington. But I have some more problems with this vest than without it. Oh, I know what you mean. This is the only place so far I've had to ride into traffic. Michigan drivers, no offense, what a bunch of morons, he says. <laughs> no offense, I say. I'm walking. Anywhere, where are you going? Oh, St. Ignace. I started in Ironwood. That'll take me about four days, chirps Roger. <laughs> It'll take me 40. That's about 100 miles a day, I say. Yes, it is. I'm traveling light, so it's not too bad. He's riding a mountain bike, and all he has with him are two saddlebags, a fleece blanket, a tarp, maps, and a couple of water bottles. He stops to buy food and waters up at every opportunity. If I don't need it, I don't bring it, he says. Well, that's a good motto to live by, if we only lived our entire lives this way. You will probably pass a couple of bikers from Oregon going to Maine, I say. They are loaded down, and they're going about 50 miles a day. Why don't you take US too, I ask. Isn't it much more hospitable to bike riders, having a huge apron? He tells me it's because M28 is the most direct route. He is doing this trip in three weeks. Wow. You know, I thought I would have been looking at the scenery as I ride, but I find myself meditating, says Roger, and hence another revelation. Yeah, and I think to myself, that's what I'm doing. I'm in such a zone concentrating on my every step, my daily destination, and my final goal, using the thoughts of my friends and family to keep me company. Well, it's really not thinking, it's meditation. 
Yeah, I think about my life, my friends, my family, accomplishments, future projects, and so on. It's so much time to think dodging semis and walking all day long. I tell them about my bottle trauma, swerves, RVs, and idiot drivers in general. The conversation turns to me pointing out routes, places to stop and see, and how he is going to get back to Winnipeg. I'm going to fly, says Roger. I'll let you go, and he does with a handshake. There goes Roger, off into traffic. Then I see a bald eagle heading in the same direction as Roger only emphasizes this moment. Is this his guardian? I continue to meditate. I reach a crest and look downhill onto the east end of Lake Michigami. There are hundreds of slimy, greasy, two-legged creatures that appear to be bathing. I have found Van Riper State Park. At 1,100 acres in size, Van Riper consists of a camping and swimming area south of M28, but the vast majority of its acreage is found on the north side of M28. Hiking trails and a few lakes make up this seldom-used parcel of land. I cross the road and walk with a flow of traffic, but I'm well into the right-of-way. Walking into the park, I see Sean. Hop in, he says. No, I'll make it. My past guilt is catching up with me. Okay, we're on site 145. Just hang your first left, then walk about one mile and hang a right. We are right by the first outhouse. Sean takes off, and I continue my walk. I make my first left and walk by the modern campground on my right. Time stands still as these modern do-gooders watch me pass them by. Life is reminding them that they have it easy. A truck comes whipping around a corner right at me. I step to the side, out of the way, and it's a blue truck, male driver, with a little girl riding the bed of the truck. Watch where you're going, I yell out, thrusting my stick at the truck. I almost hit his headlight. I yelled at him and almost hit his truck. Dumb bastard, he should have been paying attention. Fearful he would stop and whip my ass, I don't run, but I turn, glare, and shake my stick in the air. He turns and gives me one of those sorry waves. Whatever. I make it into the campsite, take off my gear, and help Sean set up camp. Nestled in the surrounding woods, our site is grassy and bordered with trees, so there is some privacy. We have neighbors to our left, a man and a woman driving an orange Camaro, cooking on a hibachi grill on the hood of his car. They have one of those big old cabin canvas tents. Sean and I, quote-unquote, sneak down to the beach where we take a short swim. The water is frigid, probably 50 degrees at the best. Then we head up to take a shower. Try going more than a week without taking a shower. I've been keeping clean using lakes and rivers, but there's nothing like a hot shower when you're hiking. I open the door slowly, reveling in the thought of the hot water, soon be rushing over me. This is a spiritual experience. Soap, shampoo, body deodorant, washcloth. I just stand under the nozzle. Fifteen minutes go by, and I'm still showering. Recharging my batteries allowed me to take on the world. I am now Mr. Clean. And being bald, I look like him too. Of course, minus the earring. After unpacking, eating, and swimming, I kick back with my new book, The Copernican Revolution. Basically, how Copernicus set the wheels in motion towards what we know today about the sun, planets, and moon as they relate to the earth. Credited with the mathematics demonstrating the earth revolves around the sun, Copernicus also demonstrates how the moon moves around the earth and the planets around the sun. Many people centuries ago thought the planets, sun, and moon revolved around the earth. 
Well, we all know better now, but at the time, Copernicus was persecuted by many, including his own church, into recanting his math and theorems about the relationships between these celestial objects. I found it to be an interesting book. The neighbors with the Camaro come over. Apparently, Sean told them about my trip earlier. The male, Paul, he says he's 37, and he's 100 pounds soaking wet with rocks in his pockets. 37? Well, he looks like a burnout Tom Petty. A student at Michigan, Northern Michigan University, he has three sheets to the wind and telling me all these stories about his past travels. He introduces me to his girlfriend, Barb, and she says she is 47 years old and she only has an 8th grade education. And it was very hard for me to follow her train of thought. Furthermore, she was more smashed than Paul, which probably didn't help matters much. How do I end up with these people? They are nice, and they're pleasant, and they can tell some great stories. But you know what? I just want to get some sleep. They want to hear more about my trip, so I tell them about Bear, and I tell them the search and rescue story, the drunk fisherman story, and lousy drivers. We are enjoying ourselves over a roaring council fire. You know what, guys? I say, I've I've had a long day. I really need to go to sleep. And both of them agreed, and they said, you know what? That's great. We will see you in the morning. And it is only 10 p.m., and I turn in. So I'm clean, I'm well-read, and I'm smelling good. I crawl into my sleeping bag, and I go to sleep. Emails from Don. All still well. Misha survived her hike, and Sean brought lots of beer. Tom's walking beautiful State Route 28 between Sidnaw and Marquette. Actually, he's as far as Michigami, but there aren't any campsites between there and Marquette. So he's walking for the day, and then Sean is picking him up and bringing him back to his current site. The next day, Sean drops him off where he had picked him up the previous day. He's had a couple of unusual and unwanted encounters on the road. Someone in a car full of teenagers threw a pop bottle at him. Someone swerved off the road at him. And he bolted into the ditch when some moron in an oncoming car passed an RV in a no-passing zone on a hill and on a curve. Of course, there was another RV coming up behind Tom. He, he was sure that there was going to be a head-on just about when uh, he jumped it away, they passed each other. He said that one of the RVs did go into the ditch but didn't get stuck as he didn't mention about uh, any accidents or police or ambulances or anything. The weather's been great and he's had no problems with bugs. He feels great and even his feet are feeling better. That is all. All right. So, my trek on M28 continues. And the interesting thing about, uh, you know, meeting Roger is um, while I'm typing this, I kept thinking to myself, why didn't I write down more about the scenery and animals that I saw? Um, and it was. It was because I was in such a zone. Um, I, I just didn't because I was so focused on one step after another. I was in, you know, I was pretty miserable with the pain and everything. So... Um, you know, just imagine, uh, you know, walking a treadmill in your living room. It's kind of like that. You know, it's just the same thing over and over again. And you're so focused on walking, you're not paying attention to anything else. All right. Well, thank you for joining me on Tom's Trail Tales. 
Uh, we will continue this, uh, in, and uh, we'll be talking about entering a new county next time. Again, thanks for joining me, and we'll see you again.